Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Tuesday, July 25th, so we're talking CG, doing a rundown on some retailer news, and a little update on Chipotle. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined in the studio by Fool.com's Sarah Priestley. Hi, nice to be here. Yeah, I think maybe some of our Tuesday Tuesday listeners were a little surprised to hear well, my voice. Yeah, they wanted to hear Vince's voice, but sadly, uh, not to be back next week. Yes, we'll be talking CG, but I think we'll really be doing our best Vincent Chen impression today. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he is he is out of the office, um, so we are covering for him. Sarah, what do you think a good Vince impression would be? Like, what would it be based on? Oh, it would definitely involve flip-flops, of course. <laughs> um I am wearing my my office moccasin slippers right now, which is about as close as you can get <laughs> to Vince's flip I'm sure our listeners really wanted to know that. Um, and it would involve food. Yeah. Any impression has to involve something about food. Maybe something about endless buffets. Yes. Going to the Gaming gym. Gaming a buffet. Full fitness. Yes. Um, being swole. Is that the word? Swole? Yeah, swole. Yeah. Yeah. Swole guy, Vince swole Chen. Guy. <laughs> Um, so we are talking retailers today, a decent amount of retailer news, and uh, a company that has kind of struggled for a long time, uh, but might be kind of getting back to its winning ways. Lululemon was one that we wanted to talk about. Um, this stock is almost back to where it was in early 2017, before the company issued some weak guidance and predicted its first same-store sales decline in the past 28 quarters. And Sarah, you actually bought shares of them after that post-earnings sell-off. You want to talk a little bit about what you saw and what you liked in the company then? Yeah, so uh, the the stock was down 20% uh, on a what I would deem to be an overreaction on some kind of short-term bad news. Uh, so revenue for that quarter was actually up 12%. Earnings per share um, came in slightly short of the $1.01 anticipated. It came in at $0.99. Cents. Total comps were up 8%. Um, gross margin is crazy good for the industry. It's 54.2%, so it was, it was up 4%. And what really knocked uh, the share price was the fact that the spring apparel collection was um, missed the mark. It, it lacked a lot of color, and they noticed that this was going to have an impact on these first quarter trends. When you say color, because I am, I am, uh, I, I don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> when it comes <laughs> really? to the when it comes to the apparel world. Do you mean literal color? I mean actual color. So if you if you'd gone into their store, everything was very much blacks. Um, and maybe some maroons and dark blues, things like that. Whereas the spring trend was very much for whites and neutrals um, and splashes of color here and there. So they kind of missed the mark with planning yeah. what the fashion taste would be. Absolutely, they did. It was kind of an issue with their design team, and they were very upfront about that. Um, and you know, quickly moved to kind of correct what they were doing. So. My belief was uh, that the drop in share price presented an opportunity. I'd been looking at the stock for a while. Um, it was kind of, it, I mean, the current PE on when it now it's up is at 26, which is still quite high compared for the industry average. But I still think that it has a lot of growth potential ahead of it in, in international and in the men's segment. There's probably one billion each for each of those areas. Um, I also think that they do have, they do command some pricing power from their loyal uh, share base, uh, loyal customer base. Sorry. I'm looking at my really comprehensive <laughs> bull case on a post-it now, right? Here. Um, and I, I honestly do believe that they offer a very good premium product. I think that they focus on form, fit, and function, and they're quite technologically advanced. And you can see that in some of their more recent announcements. And checking in on some of those thoughts and the results that have backed them up, because we now have two quarters to look at, mm -hmm. kind of what your case was and how it's played out. Um, what has what has it been? How's the company performed? 
So they the lowered projection that they that people panicked about. They'd lowered the revenue projection for for between five hundred and ten million and five hundred fifteen. That actually came up up five hundred and twenty point three million. Um, so it's up five percent year over year. Their earnings per share was at thirty two cents per share. It had been estimated between twenty five and twenty seven. So they did better than people were expecting. However, the big kind of blow um, was the brick and mortar comps decline of one percent. And that was the first comps decline that that I'm sorry, I think you said that that they'd anticipated for 28 quarters. So that was kind of um, the shock, but it shouldn't have been a shock because it was expected. In some ways, that kind of reminds me of Under Armour a little bit, right? Yes, where any any time you have this company that has this long history of just blowing it out of the water, and I think in Under Armour's case, it was. Uh, double-digit growth yeah, for plus 20%, yeah. 20 straight quarters or something like that. Um, anytime that that starts to sink, and it has been kind of the flagship metric that management has pointed to for a really long time, it has an outsized impact on investors' opinion of the company. Yeah, totally. And part of that is the problem of you know Wall Street analysts, and part of that is also management's own problem for for keeping harping on that figure. Um, and and it's exactly the same thing here. It's in a very it was in a very high growth industry in the athleisure segment, um, and they were really a front runner. Uh, you know, for, they had the first mover advantage with, with the yoga apparel, uh, and now you're kind of seeing a, a steadying off um, and a slower growth. Which is to be expected, um, and still is still a good stock. And so, what led to that outperformance, right? Because that reduced guidance, obviously, management didn't think, you know, knowing that they were kind of missing the fashion mark with some of the stuff they'd be rolling out in the spring, um, that they weren't going to be performing all that well. You know, what caused them to wind up beating some of those estimates? So, I think that one of the biggest things is, um, and if you look at their, if you listen to the earnings call or look at their balance sheet this quarter, they have some one-time expenses for um, their e-commerce. So, they've redesigned their website. If you look at their website now, as opposed to three months ago, it's much more focused on uh, it's image it's image heavy. Sorry, it's got some videos in it. It's much more focused on kind of the usability and the function of their products, um, and that has had some some great results for them. They've had I think two campaigns. Um, the one I'm thinking of, I think it's the uh, this is yoga campaign. Um, it's been really successful. It's had 26 million views. It's trying to reach people that don't traditionally. Uh, know Lululemon's products um, in different kind of, they've got a rap star on there talking about breathing and all those kinds of things. So they're really trying to reach out to different um, segments of the market and I think that they're achieving that. So what's kind of driven um, some of their improvement is honestly the gross margin being up and some of that is some supply chain work that they've been doing to try and really get some efficiencies back into the supply chain and really make it more of a flexible, dynamic supply chain that they can go back into when they notice that a trend's really taking off. And that's been successful. And that focus on e-commerce and that pivot to digital makes sense when brick-and-mortar stores are struggling for them. Um, you've enjoyed a nice, you know, like about 20% pop since, yeah. you, since you've bought the stock in, in quite a short time. Um, now that they are kind of back to where they have been historically, you know, I think they're about an eight and a half billion dollar company right now. And you look at their long term market cap, and it's kind of been between that eight and eleven billion. They haven't really been able to kind of break much beyond that. Um, do you see a lot of the efforts that they're investing in as being things that make them a company that you want to own for a long time? I do, and I honestly think that some of the recent management moves um, have impressed me. They're divesting the uh, I've, I'm going to say this incorrectly, but Iviva uh, brand, which is a girls. Their, their girls' brand, um, and it's now going to be on, uh, online only, which means it might be actually accretive to their, their bottom line, which it hasn't been before. Um, I think that's a good move. That shows some strong leadership to me. The decision to actually like cut something off before it gets bigger and and more of a challenge to to bring back. The men's segment for me still um, 
it's only 20% of the uh, total business, but 30% of new customers coming to the store are men. And I think that there's some innovation in products there that are actually very attractive. I think it's going to take a lot to convince some men to shop at Lululemon, but um, it might be kind of the secret, you know, um, on the side, where did you get that from, Lululemon, for I will, a while. I will say, uh, one of my best friends from college works in a job that is um, kind of manufacturing, kind of corporate in that he he works in logistics for a company uh, that handles just big time infra- infrastructure and industrial work and so so he spends some of his time on plant floors and some of it in an office and he wears the Lululemon ABC pants, yeah. <laughs> the, the the office pants that are these, um, I guess, very kind of like breathable and flexible pants that look mm-hmm. like your average work slacks. And he owns three or four pairs, and that's all he wears to work. Yeah, and and th- I can see why. I mean, they're expensive. I think they're a hundred dollars a pair, but I think people are willing to pay when something is well made and functionally excellent. Um, I also think that they have a lot of growth in Asia, and you can see that they're expanding heavily over there, and they're they're much more slow and steady in Europe, which I think is good. The approach it suits the markets, um, and overall, the bottom line is I, I should say I'm an Under Armour shareholder as well. And I am bullish uh, on the overall athleisure trend. I think that there's a lot of analysts right now that are thinking that the trend isn't going to isn't going to last out. It's going to peter out because it's fashion based. I don't think it is. I think it's a lifestyle generation change base. I think that the millennials much more focused on kind of the health and wellness. Uh, they're much more likely to spend money on experiences, and I think these products are tied to experiences. You know, you can wear it hiking, you can wear it to the office in a lot of cases now, um, and that makes it a more valuable product. And it's something that we see quite often here at Full HQ, right? And we have a very wellness and kind of health-oriented um, group of employees here, and I think it's very common for to see people in you know yoga pants after they do full fitness, yeah. um, you know, or coming from the gym in the morning, and then going down to the you know uh, the showers and stuff and getting ready for work. Um, I, I certainly see it a lot. I, I don't think it's going anywhere. I, I participate in that trend quite a bit yeah. myself. Um, I, I think as other people get into the space, you know, you talked about how some of the the big retailers are doing it, and there, there are concerns about that kind of crunching Lulu's margins. But for a long time, Lulu's been able to command, because there is premium product, yeah. these these great margins. And uh, I know that right now, their gross profit margin is better than Nike and Under Armour. Yeah, way better. And uh, you know, Vince and I have had a, have talked about this before. We've talked about Under Armour and, and Lulu and Nike, I think, in the same show. Um, and it's just, they... The, it, this, the pie is so huge for this market. I think um, so. There's some estimates that peg the health and wellness trend, which obviously encompasses a lot of different things, as the next trillion dollar market. Um, and I really feel like it, people are looking at this as if it's a zero sum game, and really, um, you know, it's not going to be. There's going to be a lot of winners. Uh, and Lulu already has a loyal base of customers. If they can build on that, um, I think that they can defend their their margins. Switching gears over to something I know even less about. <laughs> In other retail news, uh, Michael Kors announced that it was buying Jimmy Choo for eight hundred and ninety-six million pounds. Yep. Which, which I am, <laughs> which I am told tra- translates to one point one seven billion dollars. I'm going to have to take Sarah's word for that. Um, and this really ends uh, a period where Jab Holding Co., uh, you know, kind of the, the the owner and major influencer uh, with Jimmy Choo, had been trying to shop this business for a while. Yeah, they put it up for sale in April, um, and they've been pretty prolific uh, buying up American companies. They bought Krispy Kreme, was that at the end of last year? 
Something like that. Yeah, um, and they've just recently bought uh, Panera too. And as you can see, just from those two acquisitions, it's much more kind of restaurant and coffee focused. Um, yeah, one of these things is not like the other. Yes, absolutely. So <laughs> I, th- I think that they're really trying to focus on that. Makes sense for them. Um, so yeah, Michael Kors has finally taken the bait. Uh, they have bought uh, Jimmy Choo, as you said, for one point one seven billion. Uh, I think the decision was probably influenced a little bit by Coach's purchase uh, of Kate Spade uh, back in. When was that? I think it was May. Yeah, for $2.4 billion. Um, and I think that they're really trying to get into different areas of the market. I think Kate Spade is obviously going to offer Coach access to younger, more kind of fashion forward, some could argue, uh, market. And then Michael Kors, known for its handbags, known for issues with commoditization of its products, really wants to break into the designer shoe industry. Um, it's it's actually grown at 9% in the past decade, as opposed to 5% for the larger uh, luxury sector. So. Th- this seems a little bit like it's less them aggressively going for growth and more them trying to keep pace with Coach. That is what it appears to be, and I mean they just had they just posted a loss for the last quarter, and they are struggling. Um, I think that they just recently pivoted away from kind of more of an expansion-based plan to now shrinking back the number of store bases that they have, limiting the amount of products that they put in department stores to have more ownership over pricing. So they're obviously struggling. They're obviously having problems. I personally believe this is a good move for them. I think Jimmy Choo does have a strong brand. Um, you, you see people still like Michelle Obama. I, I'm thinking Princess Diana because she was <laughs> one of the proponents for the brand. But um, you know, recently Michelle Obama is a good current brand. It's kind of timeless. I think it will work well with them if they can integrate it. Um, Switching gears yet a third time, (laughs) we are going to talk a little bit about Chipotle. Um, Shares the company took a huge hit last week. They are now down at their lowest level since 2013 after news broke of another incident of a foodborne illness getting customers sick. Um, This time it was actually at a location in Sterling, Virginia, which is only about 40 minutes from Fool HQ. Yeah, we could go check it out. (laughs) Be careful. (laughs) Um, The company reports aftermarket close today, and my gosh, it seems like they could use some good news. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the recent issues aren't going to be included in in the quarterly earnings, but they definitely have to comment on it. I would say that's probably been the biggest um, rally cry I've heard about the company so far, is just the lack of response to some of these issues. So, if you've been under a rock for the past couple of weeks. Uh, they closed a Virginia location after a norovirus outbreak, um, and then a video went viral showing mice running around a Chipotle restaurant in Dallas. And earlier this year, in April, the company disclosed a payment card security breach. So that is kind of on a on a long, <laughs> long run of bad news. And of um, course, this is not the first issue with foodborne illnesses. Yeah. Uh, so in some ways, it kind of compromises any customer confidence that they had worked so hard to rebuild. Absolutely. Um, and it will not be cheap for them to to continue to do that. Um, before we get over to that kind of part of the discussion, the looking forward stuff, when we talk a little bit about. Um, what's going on with the company, and just knowing that the report's coming up, kind of what to expect. Yeah, absolutely. So, the report's coming out today. Um, I think that people will be focusing on comps. They projected high single digits, so you want to see them deliver on that. Um, again, as I would say, I would like to see them give some kind of projection on what the recent events has done in I'm, the past couple of years. I'm sure analysts will ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'd also want to keep an eye on store openings. So, uh, they're projecting 195 to 210 new stores this year, so we want to see how they are with that plan. Um, analysts are predicting between 221 per share. Uh, earnings per share on revenues of about 1.19 billion. So again, you want to see them um, look for that free cash flow and kind of general financial security with the company has always been great. And even despite uh, you know recent troubles, um, 
so I think f free cash flow in the realm of 50 million would be what would be expected. And then generally look for an update on their online business. Last quarter they um, disclosed that it was up 50%. I mean, it's very new, so it's that the comps are going, aren't going to be hard to beat, but I'd like to see an update on that. And they've, they've also made some menu changes, right? And, and, yeah. and some, uh, so we might be get some color there too. Yeah, absolutely. Chorizo, desserts, queso, <laughs> uh, all these things have been tested. Chorizo actually hasn't been too um, accretive because it's kind of just replaces uh, the protein that you would have already bought. bought. But desserts certainly could add uh, a lot, and queso because it's an added extra. And queso also kind of puts them on par with some of the other fast casual burrito makers out there. I know for myself, one of the one of the things that kind of separated uh, the Cadoba and Moe's of the world from Chipotle was if I wanted queso, I had to go there. <laughs> I, c I couldn't get that at Chipotle. <laughs> Personally, I never want queso. So oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's an alien concept to outside the U.S. I think it or is outside of delicious. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's generally update on the on those issues, and then they've been trialing price increases too, and they've suggested that it's gone well. So we want to see how how those price increases are going to be rolled out. And looking at how some of the recent developments with the company might kind of trickle down into the, the financial statements, um, I know the company had talked in the past about how marketing and promotion costs were going to be somewhere in the mid three percent of revenue this quarter, which was going to be up, and that is something that reflects the fact that they have had to do quite a bit to get customers back into stores. Um, you know, some of that is discounting or offering bogos, you know, buy one get ones, things like that. In light of a lot of the recent news we've seen, I think that might even inch up more. I, we won't be reflected in what we see, you know, for this financial result as you talked about, because it doesn't cover um, mm -hmm. that time series. But um, you might get some guidance coverage on that, um, you know, as as the company provides some commentary. Uh, I think that just given the flurry of bad news, <laughs> that that's one of the easiest ways to get people back in stores and um, kind of interacting with the brand again and, and building customer confidence. So I would not be surprised to see that tick up. No, definitely. I mean, it really kind of puts them back at square one in in a sense. Um, it's, I don't think that this is as serious, obviously, as what happened for them before. But just from a PR perspective, it's it's really bringing them back to where they they had been. And their previous campaign was uh, I don't know if you remember the TV ads. They were kind of they were great. They had some comedians in, and it was called As Real as It Gets, and they'd give them hard truths. Um, I'm sure we're going to see some parodies of that <laughs> coming up. Um, something that made me laugh with with the Chipotle stuff I've seen. Is uh, some of the conspiracy conspiracy theories floating around? Oh, I haven't seen these about these issues with Chipotle, and there are two in particular. I think that they were circulating back when the original foodborne illness outbreak happened um, about a couple years ago, but they have since resurfaced. <laughs> and one of them is that uh, because Chipotle is anti-GMO, there is the GMA <laughs> there there are people that are doing some sort of like biochemical warfare against the company. And the other one was that uh, Chipotle shorts are deliberately going out of their way to to create problems for the company. Wow, I can see a movie coming out of this. <laughs> Jeez, that's diabolical. Um, I, I am inclined to not believe those conspiracy theories and, and think that this is just um, something that unfortunately happens in the restaurant business and yeah. uh, it, it can be kind of inescapable at times. Um, but you look back at the history of companies that have had to weather this type of issue. Um, I don't know that it's been as uh, as much of a snowball effect in the past uh, with with repeated incidents. But you know, uh, Jack in the Box was able to navigate this and actually had people die from from their um, undercooked yeah. meat incidents and uh, managed to weather it and come back just fine. So 
uh, I think if you are sold on the concept of Chipotle, this is obviously a really unfortunate thing as a shareholder because it does set you back to, you know, 2013 prices. But um, I, as someone that is a shareholder, I am I am just holding on and kind of doubling down on the idea of, you know, I like this concept. Uh, they're still opening a ton of stores. I, I think there's still quite a bit to like here. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And I, and as we talked about with the the Lulu thing, it's the same issue. It's a short term. Hopefully, it's a short term concern that's had an outsized impact on the share price. So, if, as you said, if you're still kind of bullish on the whole concept, um, and that really ties into kind of the healthy eating trend too, and the the real food and all that kind of stuff. If you buy into that, then absolutely now is almost a, a buy opportunity. And I'm sure Vince will be following up when he is back in the studio next yeah. week uh, with some info following Chipotle's earnings. And probably a little info on the Jimmy Choo acquisition. Maybe a little bit more color there as details come out. Uh, Sarah, anything else before I let you go? No, thank you for having me. Thank you for hopping on. You saved me from (laughs) half an hour of Dylan rambling into a microphone. (laughs) Uh, Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. Like I said, don't worry. Vince will be back next week to talk CG. If you have any questions for me, Vince, or any of the hosts, just shoot us an email at industryfocus.fool.com, or you can tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, you can subscribe on iTunes or check out The Fool's family of shows at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Anne Henry for all her work behind the glass. For Sarah Priestley, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.